Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, this is Coach Freddie here. I'm at the Kaya Festival in California, and I'm speaking with Joy Beckerman. She's the principal of Hemp Ace International. Also, she is the president of the Hemp Industries Association, formed in 1994, and also she's national board of directors of Normal. And that were formed in 1970. Hi, Joy. It's always so wonderful to be able to speak with you, Coach Freddie. Thank you for having me today, especially here at Kaya Fest. Yeah, we're sitting here in the Hemp Road Trip. Oh, wonderful. I love to see the interest building around the bus. The bus is a moving billboard of facts about this extraordinarily versatile and valuable hemp crop. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm flying out tomorrow to get into my rig, the iHemp Revolution Roadshow. Which is the same thing. Yeah, I'm going in my Austin Healy 3000, I'll be all over there for the next five, six months in the eastern United States. I hope we're going to get you in New York, Coach Freddie. Oh, yeah, you may just do that. Uh, Excellent. (laughs) I sure hope so. Thank you for the work that both you and Rick Trojan do. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. We we enjoy it, or else we wouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what is uh, Hemp Ace International? Ace International is a professional consulting, legal support, and expert witness firm. Okay. Uh, I formed in nineteen in two thousand and fourteen. Um, that uh, that corporation in Seattle, and I'm now based in New York. After nineteen years in Seattle, I've moved back to New York, which is truly the Empire State these days. Okay, ten million dollars in state grant funds um, being uh, right. g- given out to the. Uh, I'm, we got Dana right here. Okay, Joy, can you explain what that is? Hempies International is a consulting legal support and expert witness firm that I formed in 2014 in Seattle. Uh, after opening the first hemp store in the state of New York in the early 90s and then uh, being appointed to serve as secretary of the Vermont Hemp Council when that inaugural hemp bill passed in Vermont in, in uh, 1996 and serving in that position, I relocated my family to Seattle um, where I raised my two boys who are now college graduates and are still there and I began a uh, dual career in compliance and complex civil litigation. When uh, we legalized first adult use cannabis, although I moved to uh, Seattle the year that they legalized medical cannabis um, in that state, it took us another four years to legalize uh, industrial hemp in, in the state of Washington. But in any event, when the huge push for legalization and that consciousness happened, it was also the same year. 2012 when both of my boys went off to college full time uh-huh. okay. uh, and so I formed this uh, this company to really help guide the industries with standards ethics 
accurate data. Um, I had learned from, of course, being involved in the hemp movements in the early 90s, there was so much that we shouted from the rooftops that turns out isn't all that true, which is this crop grows anywhere. It doesn't require any inputs. It doesn't require any water. And none of that is actually true. It certainly depends on climate and soil and uh, variety and photo period, all of these things. So, um, and then with my legal background, I knew that it would be important because there are such different bodies of law and regulation right now between the two and three types of cannabis, meaning a more industrial um, and then medical and adult use. And, uh, and that does bring me, though, to a great point because there is something wonderful happening in U.S. Congress right now, and that is they're dropping the word industrial from both the definition of hemp. They, after, uh, understand that the Industrial Hemp Farming Act has been filed every year in the U.S. Congress since 2005. And it, uh, the Senate version has been filed every year in the U.S. Senate since 2013. Um, and Senator Mitch McConnell, folks are often surprised to learn, was actually one of only five co-sponsors and an architect of that Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2013, the Senate version, from its, from its inception. Um, but right now, he's using his political power. He is Speaker of the, of the Senate Majority Leader, excuse me. Um, and he's using his political power to push through this newest incarnation of what is now the Hemp Farming Act, having dropped the word industrial from that vernacular. Um, and he and, and that is also within the definition. It's no longer, we're no longer defining industrial hemp, we're defining hemp, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on in our talk here. But the point is that he's implemented something called the Rule 14, which is uh, the ability to skip the committee process entirely that there might actually be a chance for this standalone bill uh, to pass this year, which understand that while we, it's not so difficult in our state legislatures to pass these standalone bills, it's much more difficult in Congress generally. This is the currency that they trade with each other throughout the session and say, hey, I'll make your bill part of this larger bill that ultimately grows into this multi-thousand page you know, beast that nobody has really read or comprehended or digested in its entirety, but which they have a responsibility to pass. So in this case, um, where McConnell is using his power to make it possible to implement this very rarely used Rule 14 to make it so this bill is not going to go through the committee process, but rather it will be sent straight to the Senate floor for a vote. And so it has a viable chance, which is a pretty tremendous thing. Now, in, in this definition of hemp, they have included the words so that there's no ambiguity with the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration. They've included the words that hemp includes derivatives, compounds, cannabinoids. They actually use the word cannabinoids, isomers, and salts of isomers. So this is really making it clear to the Drug Enforcement Administration and to everybody that when they say any part of this plant, cannabis sativa L, you know, which is arguable, but it should say genus cannabis, but that's for another conversation, um, that they mean all of it. They mean the derivatives, the compounds, the cannabinoids, yeah. uh, the isomers, and the salts of isomers. So it's a big deal. It's a, it's a really well-written bill. There are some things that, you know, hopefully we'll be able to change. USDA will be in charge of all of the different states, you know, but we're thrilled that it's not the DEA. Um, and uh, But it amends six different acts, not just the Controlled Substances Act. And this is 
really uh, the Senate making it clear. And there's an exact sister bill in the House as well, by the way. And, and this is S-2667. What I'm talking about right now is S-2667. The sister bill is H.R. 5485. Um, but it amends six different acts, not just the Controlled Substances Act, to really make it clear we're going for the full commercialization here. It amends the Agricultural Marketing Act of 1946 to make it clear that hemp is an agricultural commodity. That needs to happen in order for various other um, pieces of commerce and components of commerce along the way to leave room that there's no ambiguity that hemp can be included in this. And for it to be specifically called out and for that Agricultural Marketing Act to be amended so that hemp is an agricultural commodity, it, it, it eliminates any number of confusion and conflation that the DEA and others might use to say, well, we're not so sure. Well, now you're sure. It's an agricultural commodity. We are amending that act. Another of the six, and I won't bore you with all of them, but one that's very important is the Federal Crop Insurance Act. This is major. Like any other crop, have, must have crop insurance. In Canada, absolutely. They have crop insurance available to farmers like any other crop. And this uh, Hemp Farming Act of 2018 that has been introduced this S2667 ensures for that. So we are really making the way here for the full commercialization of industrial hemp. Awesome. Well, that was quite a bit. I understood everything that you said, so it makes it really nice. Thank you, Joan. Oh, thank you so, for, for so, letting me go that long. Yes, well, no, that's fine. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, HIA and what you're involved in just was elected president. Yes. Yes. And my favorite president. Ah. I say. Honor and pleasure. Honor and pleasure. Can you tell us about the HIA. I am so proud. I mean, one of the greatest honors of my life is to serve on the board of directors to say nothing of being elected by my fellow board members to lead the organization. The HIA, the Hemp Industries Association, was founded in 1994. It is the, the nation's premier trade association. But most importantly, it is America's national brain trust for industrial hemp and where we have our relationships long standing, decades long, with the developing hemp industries internationally as well. We have successfully sued the DEA twice. Many folks don't under, understand or, or aren't aware of the fact because they, you know, they're just coming into this. Thank goodness, and we are welcoming everybody and just want wants to educate everyone to get involved in these promising industries. But back in the turn of the millennium, the DEA actually endeavored to do exactly what they've done now with marijuana extract, in which they've included hemp extract, and they wanted to apply a drug code to hemp seed oil and non-viable hemp seeds. Now, understand that, and this was in October 2001, when the DEA came out with an interim rule to make these substances, these raw materials, hemp seed oil and non-viable hemp seeds, Schedule One controlled substances, and apply a drug code to them. Keep in mind, just timing-wise, as these emerging, emerging industries came out, we have like 1985-ish through 1988, we have Jack Kerr's book, uh, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, is published. So that is the beginning of the revolution, because here he has laid out, um, with help with editorship from Chris Conrad, of course, and a team of helpers, but Jack was the intelligence behind, I know that we have a rich history, because keep in mind, the United States government didn't want just the plant to be removed from our, our agricultural and industrial schemes. They wanted all knowledge 
of the plant to be removed from our agricultural and industrial schemes. And Jack Herer knew that we have this tremendously rich uh, history, and he endeavored and set about to research this evidence like a rabid dog, bulldog attorney of the highest order. Um, and so he searched our nation's archives. He searched, and we did, you know, the internet. Keep, I'm talking 1985 here. This, what, these abilities didn't exist. You had to travel. You were pounding pavement. You were digging in parts of libraries and archives that nobody had been into for decades and, and moving, filing, rusty cabinets and everything else. And he digs up the evidence of America's rich history in, in industrial hemp and he, photocopies it, old school style, again, we're talking the mid-80s, and publishes the first edition of The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And this hits a huge vein through the Grateful Dead community. He, First of all, uh, Jack is in, I believe, raising his family at the time in uh, Oregon, and uh, but also has close ties at the time to Northern California. And the Grateful Dead community, which is what? A traveling band of intelligence that is sold out at every single concert, 50,000 plus people and thousands that don't ever get into the show. And this information that the Emperor Wears No Clothes is, is, um, is disseminating, is being disseminated through this crowd, this dedicated crowd of now often folks, intellectuals, who it's no longer the 60s. Now these folks are running Wall Street and so on and so forth. The information is getting out there. So we start to develop this little hemp economy here. I have a hemp store. Uh, Don Ward chapter of the Ohio Hempery starts bringing in textiles and buys a hemp seed, um, uh, buys a seed press and gets in the first sterilized shipment of hemp seeds from Mongolian Mongolia presses that hemp seed and it's from that hemp seed oil that the first uh, hemp lip balm and stuff are made and the merry pranksters, uh, the merry hempsters they call themselves. So in any event, this starts to occur and then in 1997, David Bronner inherits sort of the position of leadership for Dr. Bronner Soap Company, which has been around frankly as a family in Germany since the late 1800s. But and he decides to start putting hemp seed oil in Dr. Bronner's soap. So the industry starts to take root on a larger scale at that point. And then we have John Rulak of Nutiva, who makes the first sort of hemp food and, and becomes a source for hold hemp here um, in America. And then we start to get some traction. So at that point, the DEA says, no traction for you. We are going to make hemp seed oil and uh, non-viable hemp seeds, schedule one controlled substances, and you're not going to be able to develop these industries. Well, the HIA immediately um, takes action along with Dr. Bonners and, and Nutiva and Don Ward Chapter and some others, and we file suit against the DEA in the Ninth Circuit um, to win the rights of American uh, importers and manufacturers and wholesalers and retailers and consumers to be able to have access to this highest digestible form of protein in the on in the entire planet animal kingdom and so we we won those cases we now have two active cases against the DEA right now the HIA one is trying to preserve those rights for hemp extracts so the extracts um, one of which is the most popular we hear about of course is cannabidiol CBD that can be extracted from uh, the flowering tops, leaves, and resins mostly is where is from those parts of the plant that we get this cannabinoid. So um, we have those uh, lawsuits. 
We are now grown to 800 members. Um, we have our annual conference, which is really a world-class conference for uh, the United States in terms of education. Uh, three days of um, expo and conference that'll be uh, in Los Angeles this year, November 2nd to 6th. Uh, our Hemp History Week campaign, which is very successful in terms of educating uh, nationally um, through retail chains and events that our members and, and supporters have during that first full week in June every year. Um, we do a, a great massive education campaign and, and allow people to test and sample hemp products, everything from body care, of course, and food. Um, and then to look at the different samples, we often have folks who set up exhibits so that folks can see textiles and paper and biocomposites and plastics and even industrial sealants uh, and coatings like hemp shield and building materials. Um, and, uh, and then we even have seen folks with hemp batteries demonstrating hemp cellulose as a, for nanotechnology and energy storage and supercapacitors. So all of that education and um, keeping our members up to date on developments, being that great source of a network for them, um, supply chain, building that supply chain and building that hemp economy is everything. So from farmer to processor to manufacturer, Investors are such a huge part of this, agronomists, soil ecologists, folks willing to donate land or put money in land trusts for farmers. We really have to uh, uplift the farmer here and uh, and build cooperatives. Really, it, hemp and cannabis in all of its forms, but certainly hemp, lends itself to cooperation. That's what we want to see in the developing hemp industries. And, and the Hemp Industries Association builds that network. Uh, for people so um, and it's very important to be a part of a coalition of voices we work with some of the um, you know the nation's top uh, other trade associations and lobbying organizations the US Hemp Roundtable we're very proud um, of the work that we do with them uh, we work with Vote Hemp uh, and the National Hemp Association we love to coalition build so building that network and um, developing really all of us as a unified voice is something that uh, the Hemp Industries Association focuses on and, and is doing effectively. And we've got a brand new executive director, Coach Freddie, highly motivated, seasoned Colleen Cahey. We're so lucky to have her. And, uh, and the board itself. We did a strategic planning weekend in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is exactly where we were formed in 1994. I'm very proud to say that Jack Herrer is actually one of our founders. We dug up a, a photograph of the founding board of the Hemp Industries Association in the very same town. We just did this in January, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, where we did our strategic planning session. Um, just so many important leaders there. And we brought in Arizona State University's Lodestar Center for uh, Philanthropy and Nonprofit Innovation. And we're professionally trained as a board and with our executive staff um, on how to do, you know, everything, nuts and bolts and policies and procedures to make sure we were fine-tuning and in alignment with optimal practices and developed our strategic mission. We actually wrote a new mission statement and uh, have so much uh, planned for our members to uh, boost the benefits and the way that we serve them and the education and the tools that we provide them um, and the news that we deliver to them. And uh, you're going to see a lot of great changes with what we really call the new HIA. So thank you for asking. Wow, that was great. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I know all the good work you do and everything else and uh, HIA in itself and you yourself. Uh, so we're, you've got a big event coming up in November. Yes. Uh, tell us about that and when it's going to be, where it's going to be. 
Excellent. Thank you. And that's H-I-A-Con, like H-I-A Conference. So H-I-A-Con.org will get you to information about this event. And that'll be in Los Angeles at the LAX Hilton. So you won't have to travel far from the airport. We're making it easy for everybody. Um, we really want to build the infrastructure in California. So Cal and uh, again, this is November 2nd through 5th, if I did not say that, actually, 2nd through 5th of 2018, org. We really want to build that network, that infrastructure, that supply chain in California, in particular through Prop 64. It expedited the implementation of an existing Senate bill that had passed, which legalized the commercialization of industrial hemp as an agricultural commodity in California. Um, and Prop 64 not only imp- uh, expedited that implementation, but it improved upon it in many ways. And um, this uh, is the sixth largest economy in the world, California. So for everyone to be able to network with that program as it develops, I'm not entirely sure that there will be seeds put in the ground in California right now, but it doesn't matter. It's the sixth largest economy in the world and with beautiful agricultural lands. We're going to have to do research, obviously, around water consumption. Um, but this is a tremendous uh, hub for the American and, in fact, North American and global hemp economy to take root and grow. So we have selected uh, this area to develop that network um, and education. Our former president, who sits, I'm very honored to sit still, he's on uh, the board of directors and, and helped elect me as president, Larry Serban of Hemp Traders, which is the largest uh, textiles purveyor, hemp fiber purveyor <coughs> in North America for a quarter of a century. He is the chair of the Industrial Hemp Advisory Board of the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Um, and they meet every couple of months because of due process, administrative <coughs> due process in California. The applications right now for cultivation of hemp for commercialization. <coughs> so due to the, uh, the due process of administrative procedure in California, which protects everybody and the citizens, right now the applications for farmers to grow hemp on a commercial level in uh, in California aren't ready. They're in fact right now as we sit today and it's we're at the very end of April. They've been I guess for a few weeks inside the Office of Administrative Law, which they need the application needs to be approved there. And once it's approved there, and I understand that can be up to a six week process, it then goes through a 45 day public comment period. So it'll be another 45 days just due to due process. Uh, before that application sort of is ratified and then released to potential farmers to put seeds in the ground this year. Another issue is that the California Department of Ag is not wanting to be the go-between between farmers who seek to import seeds from other countries and the DEA. Importing viable seeds into the United States is still right now uh, considered a Schedule One controlled substance and it requires a permit from the DEA under the Controlled Substances Import and Export Act. And uh, while they allow researchers and institutions of higher education to obtain those permits for farmers um, under the commercial program, the folks would need uh, the even arguably get it at all, although Colorado can get them and they're a commercial program, but they would need the uh, that permit to be between the Department of Ag for California and the DEA. And the Department of Ag has said, no, we're not going to do that for you. So as usual, getting genetics and, and getting your actual seeds in um, 
And if you're doing, you know, for extract, which is also arguable in California, though folks are way moving forward ahead with it, thank goodness they are, getting clones available. So just genetics in general is going to be a challenge and a particular challenge in the state of California. But they're moving ahead and uh, we have every opportunity to fix legislation and tweak regulation with every session and with every step of the way. So we just need engaging, engaging and be more, being more vigilant in the process. Um, at all levels, from local uh, through state and federal, is really what time it is for industrial hemp and all forms of cannabis. Okay, awesome. Well, Joy, I want to thank you for being a guest on the I Hemp Revolution podcast here with Coach Freddie at the Kaya Fest in California. Can you give us a short message? Right now, it's an action call. I'll take every opportunity I can for current calls to action. And so I'm going to say that, please, you need to contact your federal senators and uh, Congress people to ask them to support the Hemp Farming Act of 2018. You can easily do that by going to hempsupporter.com. That's hempsupporter.com and filling out and going to resources, filling out those petitions there very easily. Take you just a couple of minutes, not even. And that's for s 2667 and HR 5485. That's the best thing you can do for hemp right now. And as always, buy hemp and create the demand for hemp and incorporate hemp into your daily lives. Thank you, Joy Beckerman. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. And make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHempRevolution.